This is the Cave of Solitude, your pop culture and comic book podcast coming to you from the megacity metropolis of Toronto. I'm your host, Eric Anthony, and this is episode 266, Top 5 Multiverse Stories with my friend, Dave Molyneux. show um infinity gauntlet i like it more the more i read it the first time i read it i kind of shrugged my shoulders said oh, that was i guess cool for the time and then the more i kind of get the context of thanos quest and all of the different things that were were kind of being symbolized in it then i read it on another level even though it's still like a saturday morning cartoon kind of plot there's stuff there right so yeah, i told i totally get it um you had a great idea. We're 18 minutes in. I didn't even realize that. <laughs> we're gonna put it. We've done it again. We're gonna put a timestamp. But um, we're gonna do a conversation, counting down our our top five multiverse alternate universe stories. This was your idea, and I th- I liked it because it was it's very specific yet very open to anything being included yeah right but how did how did multiverse yeah sorry no go ahead go ahead i was i think you're going to answer what i was going to ask you oh no i'll let you ask me no just in your mind like when you think of multiverse and alternate universe stories like how do you kind of break it down how do you make sense of it all it's it's i mean the thing is especially after having read marvel versus dc Mm. they refer to that as an omniverse because mm. they accept that one Marvel is a multiverse and DC has its multiverse. And together it's an omniverse. You're kind of like, my God, how big can we get? But yeah, like, yeah, I yeah. mean, the, <laughs> a friend of mine recently, not, not that long ago, actually, I think it was like a week ago, messaged me and said, I blame Grant Morrison for this multiverse thing. And I went like, why? Because <laughs> the multiverse idea, I think, was introduced, in comics, was introduced in Wonder Woman in the 60s. I think it was the 60s. So it's not new. And for, for comic fans, it's been around for ages. And we just accept it, you know? We yeah. just accept that there are also realities. We accept that some things, you know, that there are, there are multiple versions of characters. And we have certain Marvel titles like What What If. We have DC's Elseworlds book. And we're just fine with that. And then the multiverse has kind of hit the mainstream. And everyone's going, oh, mul- this multiverse thing. You're like, yes. What of it? Yeah, we're kind of. We're used to it by now. It's kind of, it's it, already part of the conversation and part of our language. It makes us almost sometimes roll our eyes, because we're so accustomed to <laughs> if it. If we're not careful, yeah, yeah, because because you, it's used sometimes in the like I guess the the phrase of the Deus Machina way, right? Where uh-huh. when they don't know when yeah. they want to explain something away or when they want to reset things, they throw in the multiverse and anything can kind of happen it's their way of 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 the publisher's way or the or the writer's way of doing whatever they want to do and excusing themselves because they don't want to be tied down to continuity right yeah and it's like yeah a lot of the time it's like all those stories set in the future and they go so this is the future yeah what is it well it's a future right (laughs) okay that's why you did that that's how we'll uh uh, what's the word like sweep it away if we don't like it yeah but yeah it is also one of there's too much continuity we'll just go 
know. Yeah. Do you think it's been overdone? Before we get into our list, do you think it's a useful, fun thing? I get excited about it, but I also feel like, okay, let's, you know, how much of this are we going to use? Because it can become very, huh? After a while, like you, you, you start to approach things worried if you're going to know where you are. Yeah, I think it's tricky because, I mean, especially when you look at the big two, there are a lot of characters... That, I mean, over the decades, they've added in numerous time travel, alternate reality mutants to the X Men, and you know, and you get new readers, and they go, "So who's Rachel? Who's Rachel Gray? Rachel Summers? Right. Oh, she is this week." And you go, "Okay, hang on, right? I can explain this." And, and she's fairly straightforward. I mean, it, Cable's technically got alternate reality stuff going on because he was in an alternate future for a long time and you've got Bishop and you've got and like they're not just it's not just a straightforward answer with DC then of course they erased their multiverse for the most part in 1986 with Crisis on Infinite Earths and then they introduced Elseworlds which really is multiversal yeah and then of course we they ended up bringing it back with um which was it was infinite crisis Mm -hmm. so you can't really escape from it in those things but i think at this point it's tricky i think dc have kind of got themselves into a bit of a state and no one's quite sure what a future state people like the canon yeah yeah (laughs) which is the thing which happened none of it suck it up um it's not real but yeah, it's, it is a bit confusing, and I don't know where they are at this point, and so I've kind of stepped away. But I think, like, historically, Marvel have introduced so many elements that it's probably confusing. I don't know. I don't know what it's like for a new reader, because I'm not one. I'm just making assumptions about it. But I imagine some things are quite confusing. Yeah, but, and I think the good thing that can can be said about a multiverse within a publishing company of beloved characters is that it is also a good way to introduce somebody to a story with the characters they might be familiar with in a one and done story in a sort of what if scenario so for instance um this isn't on my list but it's an alternate but i'll use it as an example wouldn't it be cool for instance if someone said if superman were russian instead of american what would that be like well here's superman red sun you can read this and get your get the story and it introduces them to the storytelling of comics and the kind of possibilities of of where things can go depending on what you like it's a good doorway in without having to be committed to and then and then right that's a cool thing about multiverse stories you can have a whole yeah, shelf of of non-canon classics in a lot uh, of ways. I think we've, we've kind of touched on it a few <laughs> times in the past, I think, in terms of DC's, especially DC, the standalone element to them, because Dark Knight Returns is, you know, a, an alternate universe, essentially, and stuff like that. I mean, even though they've come back to it, you can still just have that on its own. It works just perfectly fine. Um, so, yeah, it's a nice way of doing it. I think as long as people kind of get that it's not meant to be the most, does it matter if they do get that or not? I don't know. It's just have fun reading comics. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's the that's the nice thing with, with some of these sort of 
offshoot titles of very familiar things, like we said before, because you could get a fun little Justice League story with New Frontier. And there's a movie yeah. that goes along with it. But you don't have to continue it at all. Like, that could be enough for you. And it was a really yeah. enjoyable experience. It felt good. The art feels good. Like, it it, it could just sort of, um, what's the word, quench that thirst for something. If you want a feel of nostalgic, but hopefulness, like, it's all in that book. And you never have yeah. to read Justice League again. <laughs> Which I don't know if, if, if that what they want. Like, you want them to come back for more, but you're not sort of... I guess I'm speaking. We're, we both understand it from the for perspective of a collector, where you you like yeah. I, I need to know what happens next. You get that you're almost you feel trapped, and you can't help but keep going even sometimes if it sucks. Like I just need to know what happens next, because that's yeah. no fun either. When you get to it's that, point. it's not that's not a fun like it's fun, but it's also no, kind of like. It, yeah, exactly. And you want people to read comics and feel fun. Like, can I get another book like that? Yeah. I think that is where it comes down to that question of, like, when I say, like, it, as long as people understand um, that it's not the real thing, whatever the real thing is. Um, because, I, you know, I guess it must be confusing if people do read something like New, New Frontier and then they go, okay, so... I picked up this thing called Man of Steel. Is that where it carries on? Right. And I know. And that's where it can be confusing, I guess. Right. But yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's explainable. As long as you, as long as they have access to people who can explain it in a non-patronizing way. Well, let's try to do it. Let's try to give them some of those explanations and recommendations of um, those multiverse. I, are yours new reader friendly or are they your personal favorites? A little bit of both. Okay. Some of it's a bit more open. Some of it's it's a mix. Okay, I'm excited. All right, you go Have first. You tried to keep it reader, new reader friendly, then. No, no, I, I, um, I don't think I did. I, I, but I think mine are very. I guess the the phrase would be vanilla. Like, geez, that's original. Oh yeah, sure. Why don't you just pick that one too? You know, mine are gonna be. I should. I'm going to let you go first because I might take ones that are on your list if I go first right away and it, it, I'll just keep stealing yours perhaps. So you take <laughs> we'll the lead steal here. each other's. Probably. That's what we normally do. Yeah. I'm going to start with, and this, is, this isn't this is an order of preference. Just going to name five. But I'm going to start with Days of Future Past. Mm. Um because it was one of the first really notable um, alternate universe stories from, from Marvel. I think they'd done some stuff. They blatantly did some stuff with the Fantastic Four before. I'm a little hazier on my 70s, 60s era. Yeah. You know, the, the finer detail of it. <clears throat> Excuse me. And we kind of touched on it a little bit before with uh, Rachel Summers. But just to very briefly explain, God, how do you explain this? Okay, so it's kind of set in the our present, um, and there's the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants are going to assassinate this um, presidential candidate, senator, I think it's the senator at that point, um, John Kelly. Um, and then in the future that 
led to that assassination, well, followed on from that assassination. Um, it's a stark, bleak future, as they pretty much always are in these things. So what these future X-Men, including Kate Pride, who's much older, tries to do is jump back in time into her younger self's body and change the timeline and prevent that from happening. It's like it's one of those things that's been done to death by a million other things, but it's two issues, and it's you know it's a little verbose because it's Chris Claremont at his height and John Byrne, like it's right at the end of the Claremont Byrne run, two comics over and done, and it was a shocker because like at that point in time, that was seen to be the future of at least the X Men, if not the Marvel Universe. Um, to the point where actually Phoenix is featured in that future and she was due to survive the um, Dark Phoenix saga. So her being in that story still kind of signified that it was a possible future. Mm. So it really played, it was the first time we kind of like acknowledged that, okay, there are alternate timelines at play here and they they can affect the present. Um, but as a, just as a, as a good story with some shocking moments and it's got the, all the tropes of like the, the bleak future and the, you know, the sentinels are trying to kill the mutants and the mutants have all been rounded up um, in prison camps. It was like the X-Men metaphor to the ultimate degree, you know, the, the underdogs were true underdogs having been rounded up wearing boiler suits with an M on and all that kind of stuff. And it's something that's been picked up on numerous times since, you know, that, that timeline, but worry less about that as, as a standalone multiverse story days of future past is a nice straightforward read this pretty it's i still find it quite exciting even now and i know what happens <laughs> and it's it's so interesting how like you mentioned it's two issues and it makes such a splash it is such a nexus point in many ways of the x-men universe of what they always kind of uh cherry pick with that moment in time or what was put like what you could potentially do within the x-men mythos because of that story yeah. it's really a touchstone moment i think and it was just two issues it's just two issues and you're right it does make a huge splash i mean i think like every alternate reality x-men story is inspired by days of future past every single one it all comes from that i mean the thing is that like later on regardless of whether they came back to it they they brought rachel summers in a very inexplicable way from that future to the present and she joined the x-men and she was part of the x-men for ages and you know she took on the phoenix force like she she became phoenix right for a fair bit and she was a bit of a wild card character she was here to prevent the future she wasn't letting on to cyclops that he was her dad um she was completely thrown by the fact that gene was dead that madeline Pryor was married to cyclops it was like it was a nice wrinkle right uh, i really liked it but yeah they so they still played to it you know she was still part of that even though you were in that other reality it was just her taken into us but then they added similar things that's the thing with bishop and cable as i mentioned earlier um it's that same concept basically just remixed yeah and and you just keep seeing like the it was in one of the x-men movies i think it was days of future past it's funny enough where they they explain time travel within 
you know, their universe, but it starts a wave that it just never ends. The wave that you create from doing that just kind of continues to ripple. And that occurred with that story. It's It seems hy- hyperbolic, but if there are, you know, 10 stories that completely changed how comic book storytelling is done, that would have to be on the list. It, it, yeah, would, it, would, it would be on a lot of different types of greatest of lists. You know, it's, yeah. it's that special of a story. Good pick. And, and the covers. Oh, man. So so often recreated in, in such a yeah. clever way where um, there's one, there's this guy from Toronto who shows up at our comic shows who remix classic Marvel covers into a hip hop sort of oriented theme. And he had used the Days of Future Past one, and 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 it's always it always works. It's just like, yeah, that's it, that's the one. And there's so many cool things you could do with the wanted posters behind you, and and yeah, you know, it's such a cool graphic, really well done. So that that was X Men 141. I had to remind myself. Uh, was it one for one? I think it was basically when they did the title change. <clears throat> yeah, I think you're right. Um, but I mean, you can easily look it up. Yeah, it's one for one, and then it's Uncanny X Men one for two. Classic. But it's collected in tons of books. Yeah, it's probably one of the easiest things you can find. Every comic book shop usually has it. Every bookstore usually has it. And yeah, yeah. there's a reason they made a. It's it's actually one of the the X Men movies that I enjoyed after the fact of them trying to reboot it, just because of their way, their their attempt at adapting such a difficult thing. And seeing how it would work for them. They used it in a... Again, they used their multiverse nonsense to reset the mess that they had they made, right? They did. That's, that's how they used it. So that's there you go. Works. Okay. You went with Marvel. I'll start with a, a DC one. I, I Maybe I've read more or I just associate multiverse and alternate realities with DC a little bit more. Just because of the Elseworlds lines and all of those things. So there's a lot to pick from just kind of off the top of your head. But then there's those ones that you even wonder, does this count at this point? Like, does New 52 Superman, is that now an alternate Superman? Good question. How does that fit in? Because he kind of melds oh, with the current rebirth nonsense. Like, where does the where does it blend and, and separate? Maybe that's not a good one. I don't one. think that's an answer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, especially with Morrison. Okay, so I'll I'll go with this one. Um, it's Earth-22. I looked these up, where they take place. But the story, it doesn't matter where it takes place, but the story is called Kingdom Come from Alex Ross and Mark Wade, And it is a beautifully painted, like an illustrated story in painted format with you know based off of real human models that he drew these characters from and it feels like this is this has really taken place somewhere the way that it's drawn and presented just for the art itself it is worth flipping through every page just to look at that um mark wade gives a lot of credit for the story to alex ross but he had to script it and make it something that longtime fans or even new fans of these iconic characters could kind of understand what's happening and why it'd be cool. And um, 
it's how do you sum up the story so it again takes place in the future where the heroes their offspring have become i guess children of today these reality show influencers <laughs> that are misusing their power yeah and it's turned the, the the world has turned chaotic almost to the brink of a doomsday prophecy being fulfilled and there's somebody being there's, there's a character with the specter the specter is like the I guess a harbinger of doom. No, God's vengeance. That's what he's known as in in uh, DC lore. He's known as God's yeah. vengeance. So he takes somebody with him to witness the unfolding of. I get it's almost biblical, the biblical apocalypse, but being done through these demigods. And what needs to happen is uh, Wonder Woman goes to see Clark, who is essentially Jesus in this book. To set things right before you know kingdom come, it's got a lot yeah. of religious overtones, but it uh, it's a it's really a celebration of the mythology of these characters up to that point and what they kind of mean to American global culture, not just American, but like globally, what they kind of represent and and the, the things you can do with them. Very cool. Like the things in in that book, just artistically, are just a sight to behold. It's I, I actually ended up getting it in absolute format because those pages deserve to be that big. They are every page is a piece of art. Yeah. But like I, I did put off reading it again because <clears throat> when I first read it, I wasn't sure because there was so much hype about it. And I read it about a year ago, I think. Um. And it is really. It's, I think I kind of get it more now, and I'm not as adverse to Superman now. Um, it's just it, again, it underlines why those characters are relevant and why, like, you can go. Like, it, it's basically saying at a point. It was towards the end of the '90s when it came out, and it was when a lot of good guys were going dark, or the focus was on darker yeah. characters, no matter which universe it was. You know, if you pick up Marvel or DC or any kind of, you know darker indie titles um <clears throat> that was what was popular and the authority i think and things i like so much was starting to really gain some more popularity at that point um and i said this is what the world would be like if all these people are running riot with superpowers right it's hell it's hell yeah we need them to come back we need that we need the real good guys to come back um and it does it does really nicely underline that you know these characters still work and especially where people see characters like Superman as just being dull and good. We need some dull and good. Otherwise it's just chaos. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's, it, it is that, um, comforting thing to, to go to the farmhouse and have some American pie and go outside and, <laughs> and play soccer or football or catch or whatever that pastime is that just makes you go back inside for, you know, glass of water and watch some innocent television like that's okay too sometimes that's yeah. what we all kind of need in our lives when it all is said and done and, and settled down you know yeah. that's the, and, and having that kind of guy around is is what does change the world a little bit of that because uh, there's a hopefulness and a and a stability 
You know, Superman represents. But it's not that. done in a cheesy way, is it? No. It's not done in a. Yeah, it's. I know what you mean. It's not campy. No. No. It's done not really. Not at all. It's a really honest way of of dealing with it. It's just shameless as well. It's like, yeah, this is cool. No, this this is cool. And you are looking at it just going, oh shit, this is that, that's cool. That moment was awesome, and because it looks incredible with that Alex Ross art. Yeah. You, it makes you really. I remember the first time I had purchased something from Alex, like the an Alex Ross comic book, and I and I didn't. Um, it was it was because of the way he drew Superman. It was the series, the oversized series that he did with uh, Paul Dini. Yeah. And it was I think Superman Peace, and I had a little bit of money. I was at a little comic book shop in this mall not far from my house. And I didn't know what to buy or or I understood the fact that I could buy this and I'm incomplete. Like I won't have a complete story. But this thing here is this beautiful piece of art. Like this looks like it'll always be something I can look back at. And um, I just remember that image of Clark sitting on the chair with his glasses on, shirt open with the Superman suit at the end of the day sitting in his apartment with a little lamp on and i said that's that's superman that's nice and he, he did, he's sitting there with his glasses on and it's just why why he doesn't need them nobody's around but the shirt is open with the tie off to the side and it's like that's that's superman at the end of the day and there was just something about it that made me believe that somewhere this person could exist. Like that looks like a person who exists. That's how the suit would look. It looks silly, but you have to be that guy to get away with it. You, yeah. You got to be brave enough. And when you see him flying in that scene in that book, I'm, we're way off topic, but he's carrying food to, you know, people who need it where there's food shortages. And it's, it's kind of recreated in um, BVS. There's a, a scene there where he tries to capture that moment of him coming down. And it, it is that feeling of hopefulness. It is uh, it is kind of messianic in a way, right? But that's... Yeah. It's on purpose. Yeah. It's hard not for it to be anyway. Right, right. But yeah, Alex Ross takes your breath away. Takes your breath yeah. away. Um, Your turn. Next. <laughs> That was an excellent choice. That was actually on my list. Okay. Um, so, yeah, no, that's a good choice. I'm going to go with, I, th- I kind of feel like we, we touched on it a little bit. I know my memory's a little bit hazy of it, but the new frontier, DC's new frontier. Yeah, that was on my list as well. I thought it might be. I didn't yeah. know if I should steal no, it. No, steal it, steal it. <laughs> <clears throat> takes place um, on sorry. Earth 21. <coughs> I looked all these, I looked it all up before we started to, to make sure that uh, <laughs> I gave it justice. I was going to and I just didn't. I I did sometimes I can remember. No, and, um, no, it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm numerically dyslexic. I'm not great with the numbers. <laughs> um, but yeah, the New Frontier standalone series, I think it's set in a kind of Cold War period am I right yeah um it kind of it's just after world war Two. it's right around it's after world war Two. uh jfk 
is the president. So it's early sixties, uh, right after Eisenhower. Yeah. yeah. Right. But it's like all the characters are there. All the characters are in it. It's not trying to be the early days of the Justice League or any you know, in a kind of a post-crisis way. Um, but it's regardless of what's going on for me, it doesn't really. It's the Darwin Cook. <laughs> I love Darwin Cook, and I, I read it when I read it the first time. I kind of thought, yeah, you know, there's a lot of hype about this, but I'm not sure i'm not really sure how this fits in because that is what i mean about like where you're trying to figure out how things slot together it doesn't it stands alone completely it's set in a separate time on a separate earth and it's darwin cook's celebration of these characters and he brings all these characters in as focuses he jumps around to like the what's the there's the prehistoric island of the dc universe like the equivalent of monster Isle, i guess but it's all dinosaurs um, and some of the war heroes and he just brings everyone in but he puts this this beautiful coherent story on it and it's just his art again it's the art that sells it more for me I think than even the concept of the, the universe itself Darwin Cook I would buy anything that Darwin Cook's done because yeah. his art just makes me just really happy and it's simple straightforward storytelling it's not overly complex. The art is nice and clean. It's just a lovely comic, and it stands alone. If you tried, to, if you asked me to explain the story, though, I'm not 100 sure I've got it. I can remember it. Yeah, I've watched the 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 movie a number of times, and I've read the book. I think more than once for sure. Um, and even for me, it's very strange how beloved it is because of how it makes you feel on the journey. That's really yeah. what it is. It's not so much the big bad. It isn't the showdown of it. it, it it's almost kind of metaphorical in a way. Uh-huh. It, there, there's sort of a metaphor of a villain more than an actual villain that you're you're worried about. I don't know if that makes any sense to anyone listening or if in your recollection, but it's, it's the interactions with Batman and Superman from one scene to the next and why you know batman would change his look slightly he's like i want to you know scare criminals not children little Uh moments like that or um the way that the way that he presents a diana in that scene where she saves all of those women in the vietnam internment camp and they killed all the men and Superman flies there, and when he has a showdown with Diana, she's like six inches taller than him. It's like little touches, little touches like that mean so much to the execution of the characters. Or, yeah, and, and a lot of it too is a, a John Jones story, a Martian Manhunter story. It is, yeah. A lot of it centers around him, which is a really nice change because normally it is, it is the. The Trinity. Yeah. And then he said big three. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's normally the Trinity, but it's a, a lot of it is Marshall Marsh Manhunter, yeah. Yeah, so it's it's got a... You're right. The Those two books, especially like Kingdom Come and, and New Frontier, that art is just... It, it executes the way it wants you to feel about the story. It's because of the art. 
every yeah. line in a completely different way to Kingdom Come. Yeah, exactly. Funny enough, isn't it? It's almost like the other end of the spectrum. Not that it, it's not bad. It's just simple and toned down. Like Superman, kind of looks like the Fleischer cartoons yes. version of Superman. Yes. Um, and it's got that comfy feel to it. They're comfy characters. There are little takes that you're not expecting them to have. Little twists here and there. But it's a nice, comfy, standalone DC Universe story. Yeah. But but, but yeah, the, the, the difference in the art is drastic. But one is like captures that 60s propaganda. You know, uh-huh. and, and the, the other one is like a religious propaganda with the way he paints <laughs> yeah. it, right? That Those two feelings. Yeah. Co- and that's kind of the tone of both of those books in their own way. Have this sort of, you can almost hear when you when you look at the pictures of, of New Frontier, you can kind of hear that American dun 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 in the background, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? Because I think like a lot of the time DC seems the safer um, universe, the safer set of comics, the more traditional, you know, the classic. And Marvel's meant to be the underdog, the grittier side. But I think like DC's got quite a lot of subversive storytelling in it, you know, whether it is in the mainstream universe or, or in things like those books, things like Kingdom Come or, or New Frontier. Yeah. I think you're right. I think that they um, take a few more chances with their, I don't know what the right word would be, but those offshoot lines where they say, we're going to mess around here and just tell this story. But we're, this yeah. isn't the main universe, but this is going to be a landmark book. And they're usually they usually are. There's quite a few mm. of them that when they allow that writer to go there and play and tell their story, you get something significant. And you don't know if it's part of canon, but sometimes it's it's so significant that it becomes the canon, like Killing Joke. Yeah. Right? It, it had such an impact that they, they put Barbara Gordon in a wheelchair. Yeah. Yeah, because it was going to be standalone, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's that's kind of the the cool. The, I, that's the difference. I, we talked about this before, but that's kind of the cool difference between DC and Marvel. You can find a little bit more of that at DC. It's funny because, like, I think um, also Kingdom Come, especially some elements of that played into the mainstream universe later on. As right. Well. That's right. And I can't remember if off the top of my head if anything like that played in into the, the mainstream DCU with uh, New Frontier off the top of my of head anything. I don't it doesn't come to my mind no no uh, but Kingdom Come definitely in the I remember JSA Jeff Johns yeah. run he showed up there for sure yeah classic um, my turn your turn Yes, your turn. My turn. Okay. Uh, let me jump over to Marvel before I make this a completely DC list. I got <laughs> I got two that I feel you might have. We, I think we're both in that boat. But you already mentioned an X-Men one, so I'll save an X-Men one. And I'm going to go with Spider-Verse. It's very obvious. Um, 
didn't know that it would have such an effect on the long the long-term Spider-Man plan with the movies and everything that comes of there having been this storyline where all of the Spider-Man from across the different multiverses get together to save each other and it is the ultimate it's, it's it is in no pun intended but it's the ultimate Spider-Man story yeah because it's I don't know if you you probably haven't seen the the most recent Spider-Man movie no but it it really captures the essence of the character where Peter has to save Peter has to save himself it always comes down to him having to save himself and it and it yeah and it gets you and with with Spider-Verse when you read the whole thing and you you kind of get acquainted with um Miguel O'Hara a little bit like I'm kind of interested in what's going on with him now or with uh, out of it you get Spider-Gwen and and Silk and I'm not saying they're the best characters ever but they're they're there they exist and and they're making an impact in in the movies now there's a there's a second Spider-Verse movie coming from from Miles Morales like it it did a it whether you like the story or not it did a service to the character and and yeah. its legacy in a lot of ways I really like the the Spider-Verse film I think they did a really good job of it. It's funny though, because like when you go, oh, you say to people, oh, there's a comic. Um, and they go, oh, like, is, it, is Miles in it? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you go, yeah, it doesn't stop at that. Uh, there's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of Spider Man in it. Yeah. Like, I think there's probably over 100. I was going to do, at some point, I'm going to do a what to read before Spider Verse reading order. But I want to get every Spider Man who's in it who's in the storyline in that reading order, even if they're only referenced momentarily, because there are so many, they're from issues of what if they're um, from, there's the Marvel apes, spider monkey, there, you know, spider hands in it. Yeah. Like it just, cause like spider ham wasn't recognized as an, almost like an incontinuity in any form character it kind of gave the Marvel tales universe a, a number and everything, but you never expected that's a crossover. I think the closest we got there was a there's a really obscure story in the back of an issue of Marvel Tales, the reprint series. So it's not T A I L S, which was the original name of the universe. God, this is so confusing. It was the <laughs> reprint series Marvel did called Marvel Tales, T A L E S. And in the back of one issue, they started certain telling Spider Ham stories in the back of it. And one issue, they have Spider Ham basically run into Howard the Duck. Hmm. And that was like the closest we got to acknowledging that Spider-Ham kind of exists. Right, right, right. Any kind of inconsistent thing. And then the next thing after that was really, it was, I think there was that weird Civil War, Ultimate Civil War, Spider-Ham one-shot. But I haven't even read. But yeah, he plays a part in Spider-Verse as an event. They they went, it was, the subtitle for it was Every Spider-Man Ever. It's almost like the villains technically didn't matter, but it did did play into the Moreland stuff they'd already set up earlier and it kind of explained who he was because there's really not a major explanation as to the purpose of him and why he wanted to kill Spider-Man and in this they do and there's not just one of him there's a load of them so then there's loads of spider men and women and spider robots and all sorts and it's just one of the most fun events I think Marvel have ever done 
because it, it knows what it is. It's it's kind of chewing gum for the eyes, but it's also there's a lot of weight to it. It had fallout. It had you, you're not 100 percent sure who's going to make it through, and it was a really exciting region. It was fun to have um, Doc Ock back as the superior Spider-Man. That was such it. a cool moment. The way yeah. that he was used was awesome. Um, it, it made reading that era of Spider-Man, if you were reading Superior Spider-Man, there was just a lot of payoff being a Spider-Man yeah. fan. And going forward, if you hadn't been a Spider-Man fan yet to get all of the references, because I, I had other longtime Spider-Man fans say, you know, that was a show in Japan that they referenced. Yeah. There were things there that that Peter Parker only had that wasn't ever acknowledged anywhere else and that showed up and for them it was their childhood memory just boom coming back into their head. Yeah. So if you were a longtime fan it was great and then if you were uh, a new fan or or a fan coming back into the hobby like I kind of was at the time, you got all of these offshoot spider books to be kind of excited for. Spider Woman was really good book. Spider Woman was really good. Yeah, I, I'm reading. Um, I've read the majority of it, the Spider Gwen series. I I quite enjoyed it. Her being in a, a completely different universe, all on her own. It's it's fun to know that you don't have to really worry too much about Civil War two when you're reading uh-huh. Spider Gwen. That's kind of a nice thing. But yeah, it it uh, what spun out of the web pun intended of spider-verse and the and the journey of it was a lot of fun i'm happy it exists one of the one of the better executed like you said especially spider-man events really well done yeah yeah it's probably the best spider-man event i think actually yeah that i can think of yeah it was a good one it was executed well your turn your go okay Hmm. i'm gonna do a Marvel one. Um, I'm going to go with 1602. Okay. Tell me about it. I've never so, read it. The thing is, I'm openly not an, a Neil Gaiman fan. Um, but what he did with 1602, so he was brought in during the Marvel Knights era. Marvel Knights was kind of an outlet for creators who you wouldn't expect to work for Marvel to do a little story. And it may be standalone. It may be um, slightly out of continuity. For the most part, it was in continuity. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and then Neil Gaiman came along and did Marvel 1602. Or just It was just called 1602. And it's basically set in um, Elizabethan England. And the Marvel Universe tries to start 400 years too early. Hmm. Um, and then this starts to have a detrimental impact on reality. Skies are going red, all this kind of stuff. And you'll see... Um, there's there's a Nick Fury, so it's like a her right hand man, this kind of spy guy. Is Nick Fury, but he looks like Edmund Blackadder in Blackadder too. That might be a reference that's lost on a lot of people. He's got a rough, he's got the eye patch, and he kind of, you know, he's got that whole vibe, but he's he's really cool. Um and then there's a Doctor Strange in it. But you got but Nick Fury's little he's got a little kind of sidekick boy called Peter Parquois. Who's <laughs> <laughs> obviously going to become something one day. Um, there's a blind bard who's basically Daredevil. There's, um, like the, oh, what do they call them? It's something like the Voyages of the, Voyages of the Fantastic, who are 
the BFF, and they're yeah. held prisoner by, or was that a spoiler? I don't know. By the version of Doctor Doom from this, and this something terrible is going to come of, of this messing of reality, and there is a big twist at the end that even though, like when I finished it, I couldn't believe I didn't guess it because it's so obvious, but it caught me off guard and it was nice and it was a, again just just fun to read it's only eight issues um but it works really well like it's just it's a good play on on the marvel universe it's almost more of an elseworlds like if marvel did elseworlds because it takes the the characters you know and puts them in a different time right you know so it's got that rather than a what if, which is just a what if it went slightly differently. It's like nope, the Marvel Universe starts four hundred years too early. So I think the the idea was that it would be part of continuity, but that's since been changed. They've done a couple of sequel series, which I think there's a Brave New World, six hundred two Brave New World. There was a Spider Man one. There was a Fantastic Four one, and I think it played a part in Hickman's Secret Wars event. One of the areas was a sixteen hundred two um, area, and it starred Angela. Okay. From you know the spawn stroke Thor, right? Stuff, but the the eight issue miniseries is the thing. So you can just read it, and you're done. And it's a really interesting idea. Arts by Andy Kubert. Um, it really suits. It really really suits the story that because uh, it's got like the X Men are, are kind of it's the, the Spanish Inquisition are hunting mutants to kill them. And the X-Men, mm. obviously, like witch breed. They're not called mutants, they're called witch breed. So it's like he plays with all the different really familiar stuff. And it's mostly your Silver Age characters like the FF, the original X-Men lineup, Spider-Man. There's Bruce Banner in it. Um, yeah, I don't want to say too much because it's nice to see what he, how he interprets the characters. Yeah, I, have, yeah, I haven't a, read it and I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure what the, again, the... the cost of admission would be in the sense of how deep does this go and and is it a like a marvel's version of fables or is it a one-off do you know what i mean but i had i have heard good things about it it's funny because i bought the book i bought the deluxe Mm -hmm. when i was doing my i'll buy all deluxe editions and i oversized hardcovers from this year to that year and i bought it thinking like i don't know why i'm doing this i'm not a huge gaming fan and then recently I just thought, like, I'll just sell it. I'll read it once more. I'll read it, and then I'll sell it. And I still own it because it's great. Yeah. So, yeah. Grows on I do you. recommend it. Yeah. Yeah, I think I prefer it now than when I read it the first time. Because it's probably from having, it, having read it monthly as serialized comics. It does work way better reading it in one hit. Right. Yeah. I, I find that to happen quite a bit because you don't have that gap of time where your last experience was an unpleasant one. And if you have a mediocre one that follows a bad experience monthly, by the fourth month, you're just like, I don't want it no more because my last yeah. two months sucked. But when you read it in a collected format, you kind of get through it recognizing, oh, that's why they did it. Happy I yeah. stayed along for the ride. It's like watching the whole film instead of walking out the cinema yeah. after 45 minutes. Yeah, one bad scene was it for you. That could happen when you, yeah. when you read these you know, serialized books. Okay, I'm going to put it on my list. Marvel, 1602. Um, I'm going to go back to DC. So I mentioned Kingdom Come, Spider-Verse. 
uh, what did I? Okay, we have to mention this. Injustice. DC Injustice. Uh, I haven't read it all. I played the first video game with my wife, and we enjoyed the story in the video game as much as playing it. That's how intriguing it was. And then when I had, I don't know why I had purchased the book, given it a chance, but I think I, I had read reviews for it that it was just all the way through solid. Tom Taylor, who I, who's writing, I think, the son of Superman, son of Kal-El right now. Yes. I like a lot of a lot of his stuff, but specifically this Injustice series, the first two volumes that I did read, just page turners, like because it doesn't. There's no, there's nothing he can't do with it because it's in an alternate universe. So you're there's been plenty of times I've mentioned it to you before where I literally my jaw dropped. I said, "Wow." That's gonna like in this universe. That's sticking. That's not a trick. That's not a, a a reversal with an event. You know that that's gonna be planned in this offshoot title. That guy's gone. The stakes are like the stakes have risen, and that's the, that's the way the book keeps going, and you just can't you can't stop reading it. Very very good it's title. It's fairly lengthy, isn't it? It's because I mean I've got the two books. I still haven't read them yet because we've been talking about this for a while. I think I wanted to wait till I got book two of the Omnis because they look really nice on the shelf as well. Yeah, it's Batman racing off against Superman on the spines. Um, but it's they're two big chunky omnibuses. And I think like I think it ran for five kind of. They did it like seasons, didn't they? Yeah, something like that. So and and I stopped. I, th- I got the first five on my shelf. Uh, there they are. So they, they did them digitally first. Sorry for the silence. But they did them digitally first and then released them in collected editions. And then you kind of just, you don't read it as issues. You recognize that there's gaps in stories like, okay, this is where this chapter ended. So it feels more chapter-like. Okay. And I'll, I'll be honest, I'm not very big on video game tie-ins too much because you always feel that the more they try to tie things in, something's going to be watered down. That's just kind of how it goes. Mm-hmm. When they try to make a video game based off a movie, the video game usually sucks. Usually. Not yeah. always, but usually. So I wasn't sure about this. Pardon? I'm vice versa. Yeah. Look at you, Mario Brothers. <laughs> So, yeah, this this is highly recommended. It's um, it's a fun read. Definitely a fun read. A shocking read. The stakes are high, and for a, it's almost you, you want to play the video game if you have to get the rest of the story. That's how good it is. Hmm. But I hope I don't oversell it. Well, the thing is, I desperately want to read it because you you love it so much. But I know it's really really popular as well. Um, but one of the things I really like about at least the idea of it, not having read it, is that while we've talked a little bit about Days of Future Past as a two-parter and 1602 as a, an eight-part series and Kingdom Come as four issues and everything, is this is a beast. It's, it's big. So if you do want that epic, it's an epic. And Because they've even since, since they released the two omnibuses, Omnibar, whatever it is, They've also done Year Zero as well, haven't they? 
think so. Yeah, so it's all set before. And um, like I said, I haven't read it all. I was debating on getting the two omnibi or omnibuses. Um, <laughs> no one knows. <laughs> no one knows. Um, but I kind of got everything of the main story with the five trades that came out. So it's okay. They're there. Everything that I need is there. All Sometimes there's some supplementary things in the omnibus that would be worth it if you really, really love it and are a completist. But they're hefty. That's the thing. They are big. It's an investment, but worthwhile. Yeah. Very, very good storytelling. The it's art's just... really good from what I've seen as well. But considering it was an online series, because a lot of the time when they do one of those, the art's a bit... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, the, it, it feels like the story is there to, to just tie in, but it, it leaves something lacking. But this doesn't. Yeah. This is This just constantly makes you say, and what if... What if this and this happen, and then you see it, and you're like, oh, you can do that, because this Superman has gone crazy. And and the geo- That's the basis, right? Well, the basis of the story, and this isn't a spoiler, it's, it's immediately, this is how you go into it. Um, the Joker has poisoned Superman, and what Superman is, ends up doing, he makes him snap. I think he, he kills Lois thinking that it's the joker because the joker had killed a bunch of like millions of people and superman couldn't stop it but who when he thinks that he finally kills when he thinks he's fighting doomsday or something like that i I can't remember but he's fighting lois and he kills her with their baby and then he goes absolutely berserk and kills the joker just and that's it the switch goes off he goes you didn't kill him, says Batman. You didn't kill him. This is what he did. Enough is enough. I have the means to do the right thing. I am never letting this happen again. And Superman rules the world. Like he just... And half of the Justice League say, well, yeah, it's Superman. He makes the world a better place. And then you've got the other half, the outliers who recognize that this is going to not go in a good direction and then they need interlopers from another earth to come in and help them out it's it's and yeah the stakes are high because what these characters when they do fight each other what they're capable of doing lives are lost lives get lost and they're not inconsequential that's the thing it's like, ho, 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 that, that just happened. Uh, now what's he going to do? Like, where's his breaking point? Those type of moments. Yeah, yeah. I keep saying it's next on my list. It's next on my list. We can, we, we could do a book, we could do a book club on it if you want. We could read it at the we same could. time and, and just. We could actually. Make it like an episodic, see, see where we're at with it, if it lives up to my hype or not. And again, I haven't even finished it because I know I want I wanted to reread it and give it its proper justice. Injustice is justice. I'm full of puns today. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you're next. Go for it. Oh, 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 oh. Right. Right, right, right. Okay. Um, right. I'm going to go with 
Gotham by Gaslight. Never read it. So it's uh, it was a one shot, and this was a weird. This was this was sort of strange at the time, where DC had changed, it kind of trimmed down their whole universe to make it less confusing, or multiverse to make it less confusing for readers, um, or tried. But it was like the accepted continuity. Uh, do people still refer to like the post crisis as the original universe? You're like, it had been around for a while before that, but all right. Um, but yeah, they kind of got rid of the multiverse aspect. And then I don't remember what year it came out. It was, I think, uh, don't quote me, but it's something like 1990. Um, I can look it up. Ah, there you go. Maybe 91. I, I can't remember. But um, Brian Augustine had an idea to do um, a one off Batman story where it's Batman trying to chase down Jack the Ripper. So it's one of history's biggest unsolved mysteries um, being dealt with by fiction's greatest detective. Mm -hmm. Um, And they had a chat. Mike McNola apparently was in the offices, DC offices on that day. And he was, I don't know what he was doing there, but he basically went like, no, whatever it is you want to ask me about, I can't do it. I've got too much on my plate. And they just went, let's just tell you what what the story is. And they told him and he went, you can do this with it. You can do that with it. So he ended up drawing it, even though he didn't want to. And it's quite early Magnola. Mm-hmm. Um, so it looks somewhere between his kind of Rocket Raccoon miniseries and more the, the kind of Hellboy stuff. It's kind of a little sketchier. Did you find it? It came out in 91. Our publication 91. date, February 1989. But... <clears throat> Uh, it spawned a sequel, Bas- Batman Master of the Future. That was from 91. Yeah. So this is, like you said, a one-shot. Um, main characters are Batman and Jack the Ripper, written by Brian Augustine, who sadly passed away yesterday. Today, I think. Was it yesterday? Yesterday, yeah. Uh, by Mike Mignola. Inker P. P. Craig Russell was the inker. And, oh, and the, that's partly why it's a little little kind of sketchier and whimsical at times. Yeah, and the editor was Mark Wade. Quite the crew. No, it was Mark Wade. Jeez. Oh, I forget he was an editor. Um, that was the first Elseworlds story. I think, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah, so they hadn't really... I don't think they'd intended doing anything. And you consider all the work that went into straightening out their universe, and then they went, yep, it's not a multiverse. But hey, <laughs> here's an Elseworlds story. And then they... It became really popular. And yeah, they did follow it up. Um, and it also, the Gotham by Gaslight characters and that version of Batman appeared in uh, some of the Countdown stuff. I think it was Countdown to Final Crisis. It was like the, the Ray Palmer miniseries. And I think, I don't remember if he was in the arena. No, I don't think he was in the arena issues. I can't remember. This is where my memory's not so good. But the point, the point is like, just as a one-shot story, it's brilliant. They re-released it last year as a deluxe edition, and they included those other appearances. But it's all about it's all about the one shot. It's a done in one story, and it's Magnola. It's Magnola on Batman. Yeah. Even if it's not you know the real Batman, it's Magnola on Batman. Yeah. It's great, and it's I I wasn't expecting to like it as much as I did, but it's a it's a great multiverse story it's just it, it 
it knows what it is. It's a, it's, this may not be a thing, but just have some fun reading it. It's, it's Batman versus Jack the Ripper. Okay, cool. Um, and I'm not going to reveal anything more about it. Yeah. But it's well worth picking up. I, I really liked it. I like your list. It's not the, like the, the greatest thing in the world, but it's just, it's a, it's a strong comic. Well, that's, that's the point of these, of these stories. They're not the, they're not countdowns for the greatest ever. It's, it's these alternate versions of what these fictional characters put them through a different time. Like what if, yeah. what if they did exist in ancient Egypt? Who would mm-hmm. they be? What would they, what would their mythology, were they just, uh, are they new analogs for the Roman gods or the Greek gods? You know, when you think when you yeah. put it in those terms, and that that's that was the one thing that was cool. If I go on a tangent about the Eternals, was seeing them exist through different empires, and kind of how oh, you they, see that. yeah, that's the cool that that's a part of the movie that I did enjoy, seeing those empires kind of recreated to the best of our ability through archaeological finds. Like those, some of that stuff is is well done. And that's a kind of cool way for to explain how they built that or how they figured that out. And we don't know. Like today, and so they use the Eternals in that capacity. It's kind of cool. Okay. But, um, yeah. I like your list because it's it's giving me a couple things to read that I haven't checked out before. That, are, that sound very <laughs> worthwhile. Okay. Uh, so we've done... New Frontier, can't pick that. Days of Future Past, Spider-Verse, Kingdom Come, 1602, Gotham by Gaslight. What was my last pick? It was Injustice. Okay, I'm going to go to Marvel. I'm going to steal a big one. This is, this is probably the best alternate universe story if we're going to go for one, and that's Age of Apocalypse. Oh, yes. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. it's Days of Future Past with a big budget. And yeah. any every version of these characters that <coughs> you would have wanted um, open plot lines or what's the word like threads that have never been you want to know what it's like if Wolverine did marry Jean Grey you get it here like that's mm-hmm. what this does all of those what ifs in a yeah. story that counts like this this one yeah this is big. This is the big one. It, it was so big as well, I think, at the time that people weren't sure if this was permanent. Right. Because it all kicks off with Legion, the son of, of Professor X, going back in time uh, to kill Magneto because he figures he's the reason. Oh, have I lost you? You there? I'm here. I'm still here. Cool. Um, just cut out there, it was weird. Um, Legion goes back in time to kill Xavier in, in a story called Legion Quest. No, sorry, to kill Magneto to try to make the present a better place because he figures that was what hindered the dream, Xavier's dream. And it goes wrong and he kills Magneto. And then basically this is the world from, you know, before X-Men number one back in the day, like none of this has happened. This is all erased. And it's, Apocalypse has no one to stop him from rising to power, and you get little little one shots of like X Men Chronicles reveals some of this history, doesn't it? Um, and yeah, it's it's basically Bishop as the man out of time who went back in time as you know, one of a crew to stop Legion. <clears throat> um, 
remains in that timeline and he's you pick up with him years later it's kind of like now the present in this age of apocalypse and it's a horror show and it's fantastic yeah it's it's one of those books that i remember getting back into comics and always hearing the hype about it and people making reference to whether it was a comic book interview with a creator who was associated with it or people counting down it was always mentioned and it lives up to the hype even though it's a very 90s thing and the art and everything about it is it just reeks of the 90s bombasticness but this was that moment that um you look back and say that's a good thing that came out of that era where it, yeah. it they did something and because it was kind of the first time it made the fans really buy into it Whereas when later on, when they kept, and we're restarting, you're like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> like, we've seen this already. Yeah. It's not Age of Apocalypse. Because like you said, people thought this was going to be permanent. They really, they really did. Yeah. And, and all the selected, they replaced everything, didn't they? They, they replaced Uncanny X-Men with Amazing X-Men, um, Astonishing X-Men. They replaced the uh, X-Factor with Factor X. They replaced all the X-Books with these... Yeah. New number ones, completely different titles or familiar but different titles with familiar but different characters. Yeah. And it was, and reading it years later, I think I had read it in 2000, like 20 years later I had read it for the first time. Wow. And I, it still lived up to its hype where you, I, I, cool. I understood, like I get why this was such a thing and even though it's it's very different era of comics in a lot of ways they've never they've tried to do this again and it just doesn't work they, yeah, they really went all in with it. yeah sorry no go ahead i was going to say it's, it's just it's influenced things like house of m yeah um house of m is as a standalone series not the tie-ins are predominantly not great um but the standalone series is pretty good but you, you know, I was kind of reading it going, so Age of Apocalypse, yeah. <laughs> and they did it with the Age of X, which shamelessly is called the Age, Age of Ultron. The comic version is the same. It's it's the same concept. So you are reading it going, no, okay. You know, we did this, right? Yeah. Um, but it's so well plotted out. It's so well thought out in terms of giving those eight titles a reason to exist. So it's eight titles of four issues plus a. Uh, an alpha issue to kind of set it up and an omega issue to wrap it up. And then the two, uh, X-Men Unlimited was replaced with X-Men Chronicles, which told a bit of history, which is better to read roughly when they came out rather than as flashbacks rather than before. Cause the way that X-Men alpha sets it up, I think works really nicely. Cause then you start to kind of learn like what's going on. How did we get, how did we get here? Mm-hmm. Um, and X-Men Chronicles, fills in some of those gaps but i think it's better to read those issues later and, and we and we had x universe which was <clears throat> um the other characters from the marvel universe it's like a little teams it's like tanny stark and bruce banner and gwen stacy peter parker's dead all spoilers it's not really um <laughs> i can't remember who else is in that uh, daredevil's in that series and yeah they're kind of the, the human heroes with very different histories and they're kind of like they're trying to survive in this mutant ruled world 
humans are basically used as fuel or something. I can't remember that bit. Are they used as fuel? They used as they kind of experimented on and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's I mean, it's such a big story that one read through you won't get it all. It's something to revisit and yeah. you're gonna get new stuff. But it what it, what's really cool about it is that it uh pays respects, I feel, to the history of the X-Men when it makes certain references. Yeah. If you've been along for a couple years, you'll appreciate some of the Easter eggs that show up. But it, it, it also enhances a lot of the characters that already existed. The, um, I guess the, the power and fear that you should have for a character like Apocalypse that you've always kind of had increases. It's like, oh, that's why. The, uh-huh. So when you read back at old Apocalypse stories and, and when he first appears, it gives it that gravitas. It's really nice when they can bridge what came before and what could come after with an event like that. Yeah. They executed it that way, I feel. They also introduced a couple of extra characters. Like in terms of it being something impactful, Yeah, um, some of the characters jumped across. Um, whether Whether... That was a good move or not, you could argue, because I, I quite I liked X Man as a title, um, in the Age of Apocalypse. But when he actually jumped over, he was a bit of a whiny git. <laughs> I wasn't really that interested in him. But he jumped across Sugar Man, which I still think is one of my favourite villain designs. Um, Holocaust. There's probably are these all spoilers. A number of characters jumped across. <laughs> <laughs> it's fairly well known by this point, but I mean. Yeah, it's it still has impact, even though in theory it could wrap there. That they did, they have picked it up a few times as well. Like the, the, they did the tenth anniversary story, and I wouldn't recommend reading it at all. Um, and it's touched <laughs> upon again in. <laughs> let's be honest. Um, it's 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 by oh god, it's actually by the current X Men, uh, the current Marvel editor in chief, when he was pretending he was Japanese. C.B. Sobolski? Is that the guy? No. Yeah. He used to go by a Japanese pen name. Oh, really? Yeah. Which has kind of been swept under the rug a little bit. Um, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> that happens. Is that okay? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it comes back. It's referenced again in Uncanny X-Force, the Rick Remender series. Okay. The Age of Apocalypse. And then they kind That's of right. they let it have its own series for a bit, which was actually quite good. Though a lot of people just kind of slag it off, but they haven't actually read it. But it was more about the the human band of humans that were trying to basically rebel against what's left of the mutants, and someone else is in charge. Mm. I don't say too much because it's not that well known. It's worth picking up. It's just a shame it ended with um, a really dodgy crossover. But anyway, the the Age of Apocalypse proper that event, nineteen ninety six. Yeah, nine. I think. Um, no, I think it was 95. Um, it's brilliant. It's just brilliant. And it does still stand. It's, it's got the garish colours and it's got the bombastic art, but it is a well, really well-structured series. I can't believe they turned it around, looking back. That must have been manic. Yeah. Putting that together. Yeah. All the it, character designs and... The character the designs, built the artists and, all having to work together and not confuse each other's stories and... It, 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 yeah. it, you do realize like yeah it's a big undertaking and there's a lot of people involved but that could also be part of the problem 
because everybody thinks their story is the most important at times. Yeah. And they pulled it off. They did a good job. Yeah, good. Yeah, uh, that's an excellent choice. This is your fifth. What's oh, big number God. five? Oh, the pressure. <laughs> I've got a couple of options, but I'm just going to try and be good uh, and pick one, obviously, because, you know, it's fifth. I'm going to go with Future Imperfect, which is a Hulk story. Yep. Um, and for it's many, for the... many, the Hulk story. The what, sorry? For many people, it's like the Hulk story. Yeah, well, it's, it's by it's by Peter David. <laughs> um, <laughs> surprise! It's by Peter David. It's art by George Perez. Um, it's two. I think they were oversized one shots. They were kind of bookshelf size uh, one shots. If I remember rightly, I had them, but like it's been a long time because now they're in. They're in. I think, if I recall correctly, they're in Incredible Hulk by Peter David Omnibus Volume Three. I could be wrong. No, I think you're but right. I think they've been corrected, uh, collected, corrected. Um, but yes, so future offspring of, of Rick Jones come back, find Rick Jones, and they want the Hulk to come back to the future with them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Marty, they're yeah. going to come back to the future, <laughs> gammered up, but like like Michael J. Fox, but gamma style, to take on the despot that rules their future, and it's the Hulk. Um, but he's known as the Maestro, and he looks like, ironically, a bit like Hulk Hogan. <laughs> uh-huh. Bald with the, the yeah, 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 yeah. That is funny. Hair. That's true. But it's he is a nasty bastard. Like he's a really, <laughs> he's a great bad guy. The Hulk is a great bad guy. The he's best a great, He's a, he's a great character. Peter yeah. David really did wonders with him. All the different places he took him, Bruce. Yeah, so good. It's fantastic stuff. I mean, like it does stand alone really nicely, just as a one-off story. It does get there is a semi-sequel, which is called Ghosts of the Future. Yeah, Ghosts of the Future, um, which happened a bit later, just before the onslaught event, um, which is okay. But yeah, Future Imperfect is far from imperfect. It's mm. it's great. It's a great alternate universe story uh you know multiverse story because it again it's it counts if people think like yeah it's just a multi it's not because it's the hulk going into the future to face his evil self and that sounds trite and done a million times but remember this is like 1993 94 um so it hadn't been done that widely at that time and it's done incredibly well and because it's Peter David you still get humour even when it's bleak right so excellent story I'm looking forward um, to uh, again another one I haven't read three on your list I haven't read oh, cool. Perfect. I have all intention to because I have the um, third vo- uh, volume of the uh, Peter David omnibus from for Hulk so I'm, I'm, I'm looking because this is the for many people, the height of it. Now you're once you get to Future Imperfect, you're really getting the goods. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, I think it's that. I mean, Volume Two was the key own stuff. Yeah. But it's funny because like so many times I've mentioned on on the Marvel Comics Guy Instagram account, like Dave Del Keown, Peter David, 
unstoppable force. But they're going like, yeah, but what about Gary Frank? And he did the thing with George Britton. They're like, yeah, 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 I know. And it is really good as well. Damn it. It is really good as well. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great era. The whole That whole era is like 369 to 400 plus. Yeah, it's up to about four. What was it? Gary Frank stayed on till just before 325, I think. 45? I think. Um, yeah, it's incredible stuff. Oh, God. It's incredible stuff. <laughs> it's very cool yeah, that it's available great... and collected finally, all of it. Because they, they yeah. had... it's It was all sparse how you could put it together and it wasn't... Uh, just always felt kind of incomplete. You have to get a little bit from yeah. an epic collection, a little bit from these visionaries and... Uh, yeah. We're nerds. We need it all... We need our, our, our shelf to be all perfect. God we do. Or maybe maybe for those people that don't want to shell out for a hard, hard cover, they need to compendium it. Something. It should be it should be always uh, available and in print to read in its, com- in yeah. its completion because I've I, just the first two volumes it's really strong stuff, no pun uh-huh. intended. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, That's what I'm gonna call this man. episode. No pun intended. <laughs> right, dude, it's your fifth. Okay. What are you gonna do? Um. Do you have any? Do you have any um, alternates that you want to mention? Alternates or ultimates? Al- alternates, like stuff, something that didn't make your list. An alternate I've for the two. alternate episode. <laughs> <laughs> there were two that didn't make the list, but you might be about to say one. Um, one was a bit of a. I don't know why I'm mentioning this because I haven't actually read it in a long time. Which was Superman Secret Identity. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, I need to read it again. So I can't remember enough about it to actually recommend it or talk about it in depth. Um, like more so than even New Frontier, which I realized when I started talking about it. Like, shit, I can't remember any of this. Um, yeah, New um, Secret Identity, which is written by Kurt Busiek. It's art by Stuart Eminen, can't who go is wrong. an absolute hero of mine. Um, and it's set in a a world of no powers where Superman exists as a, as a fictional character and it's about a kid called Clark Kent and they all kind of make fun of him for his name but he suddenly develops those powers um, that's as much as I can remember <laughs> yeah but yeah. I think it's an eight issue thing was it or six, Some, six yeah. or eight issues yeah about that about that it, it, it is again one of those one one and done stories that is definitely worthwhile for sure it's yeah. charming it's uh, aware of its campiness and that's what makes it work and then all of a sudden you're reading this like wh- wh- what is this all about where is this this is the can this happen <laughs> your 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 imagination goes somewhere stupid like that yeah it's a really good book I like it nice. Stuart um, the only other one was the ultimate universe as well yeah yeah I, 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 was... I didn't mention at all I think we've been talking about Ultimate Spider-Man a bit lately, so I was like, should I reference something specific? The whole thing is that a cheat? Because even the Ultimates from Mark Millar, that's a really oh. great take on the Avengers in a yeah. you know a blend of characters that you think you would love, but you actually this guy's a dick. 
And Tony Stark <laughs> always manages to be Tony Stark, which is a dick anyways. But yeah. you you also what I appreciated about it was how much of a blend that they took from classic Marvel and Ultimates Marvel when they made the Avengers movie. Yeah, there was a lot of influence in there of, of the, the Ultimate Universe, especially, I mean, like, the way Hawkeye looks, um, the way that the Hulk actually does rage. It was funny because when Mark Miller tried to get them to sign off on the Ultimates, <clears throat> he, he said basically, so, like, the Hulk, Bruce Banner turns into the Hulk and he punches out two EMTs at the side of an ambulance, obviously kills them. Um, and they went, whoa, 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 Hulk doesn't kill anybody. What, what do you mean? Like, he... He goes and fights the army and then trashes tanks and he smashes through buildings and they collapse. You're like, yeah, but no one, you don't see anyone, no one dies. <laughs> like, huh. what? I, mean, I can't imagine how he answered that because he's Scottish and <laughs> <laughs> I've got some words in my head. But um, yeah, he just went for it and it was, it was, it was blockbuster level stuff because i think he just had he just done the authority i think he just finished on the authority yeah i think so yeah so it was it was the 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 writer of the second big run of the authority with the artist from the first big run so it's brian hitch and it was just a, a repeated punch to the face while reading a comic it was it was fantastic I, it's one of the few books i give five stars both series the whole lot is five stars it's it's great and i know that some people get upset about it. it's like that's not captain america it's like, yeah i know they know they say this this is the ultimate universe it's different go yeah, with it it's yeah. just it's just intense insane fun horrible funny comics and it's so good i read it to my wife and i think she was stunned at like so what <laughs> what happens does this normally happen? no okay yeah it's kind of i guess in a way got I'm assuming got that sort of injustice feel to it without the massive world changing thing. It's still got to have its continuity because the ultimate universe still up to a point had to remain in its, in its an ongoing universe. But um, yeah, it's, it's relentless. Yeah. The ultimate. That was that, that's definitely um, something that I was thinking of the picking, but I wasn't sure if it was too much of a cheat because it was, it encompasses so much. It isn't just an event. There's, you know, Ultimate Spider-Man's 150 issues, and the Ultimates just there's three volumes of it eventually. So I was just that's ah, too messy, but definitely a a worthwhile book to have on your shelf. Mark Millar, yeah. Brian Hitch, Ultimates, very great book. Um, so what are you gonna go for? I'm intrigued. Okay, so I'm gonna give you my alternates first. Thinking Old Man Logan, when you brought up the Maestro, uh -huh. Old Man Logan is is a I sat through it one one sit one sit read, I just kept flipping those pages from the time I purchased it to when I sat down and boom done. Very, again, Mark Millar, go you know yes, he's one of those guys that knows how to uh, keep you engaged with the book, whether it's uber violent or very cheeky in his dialogue the stakes are always high you don't know what's going to happen yeah. next he he makes it very there's a shock value it's kind of like listening to yeah, eminem there is. it's like oh did he just say that like do you got did that just happen that's mark <laughs> millar comics 
Um, that's an alternate. Uh, Rick Remender's Captain America run. I don't know if you've read it, if you liked it, but when he did the stuff with John Marita Jr., some people liked it, some people didn't. I really enjoyed seeing um, Steve Rogers in Dimension Z because they made him stay there in comic book time for years. Like He raised a little yeah. boy there. And you kind of got to see that Jack Kirby wackiness from his run of Captain America come to you know, fruition with Arnim Zola having Steve trapped there and, and doing experiments on him. It was real wacky, but real different. A, a cool departure from where Cap had been for so long. Like You're not going to recreate what Brubaker did. So you might as well go and do something really different. And it felt like it. So I, I enjoy that story. I know a lot of people don't put it on the top Captain America list, but I think it, it's it's worth a revisit. It's got some heart to it. But my pick, I want to read it again. my pick would be uh, All Star Superman. Grant Morrison, uh -huh. Frank Quietly. It's um, I guess a celebration of Superman in his totality. A little bit of everything is acknowledged there. And it's, um, yeah, it's got a lot of heart in certain moments. I know you're not the biggest fan of it, right? <laughs> that's okay. I'm saying nothing. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. But but if it's um, if you're going to read like a one-time Superman story and you want to sort of get the, the essence of the character, you kind of get it all there. If you, if you have the memory of Superman died, right? It's acknowledged in this story. You don't know when it happened to him here, but it's acknowledged. Superman's girlfriend is Lois Lane, right? It's there. Like all of those sort of things you may remember about Superman having seen it, whether it's in a cartoon or in a, a you know animated movie you saw as a kid, it's acknowledged in a way. So I feel it's um yeah, it's a it's a Superman celebration. But maybe not for everyone, like my friend Dave here. <laughs> crazy nothing's man. for everyone i guess <laughs> yeah <laughs> the thing is like i did i like i mean the frank quietly's art on that book is like a, a lesson to how a lot of artists should approach anything um but the way he draws clark kent is different to the way that he draws superman obviously there's a costume change but his entire posture is different and you see him his walk change his walk changes and and you like you think like how can you do that in a comic he does it you know, and, and Grant Morrison's got this great love of Silver Age silliness, so yeah. people call it. And he incorporates that in. I think the, the bit that I struggled with was the Bizarro two-parter. Yeah, that and part kind of took me of... out of it too. Yeah, I, I see I, myself as well. It, it felt the, that was the part felt a little disjointed. It's like, so what? where are we again? What's happening? What's the yeah. main story here? Yeah, but it um, it's one of those things I think with subsequent reads, you get something again from it because of its design and because of its what it's trying to do. You kind of see why he went there for a minute. It's almost like yeah. you can't tell a Superman story, the ultimate Superman story, without kind of doing this. You have to acknowledge Bizarro. I love Bizarro. Though. I genuinely love Bizarro. There's some, I've read reviews of books with Bizarro when we're trying to just get Bizarro books. Um, where people have gone like Bizarro was a 
was like a joke that someone made that ended up making it onto the page and now we can't get rid of it like chewing gum or something some weird analogy but i really like bizarro and i don't know why there's i don't know i can't explain it but i think it's a great even though it's been done in so many different ways because at that i think there was a point when i not long before i read it that um i was more familiar with the bizarro that's in the the lego um animated things that they've been making dc's like lego justice league and he's almost a bit more like grimlock or something yeah um it's it's a character that yeah there's something about the character there's an innocence to them but you also it it's this fine line that it um balances of feeling sorry for and terrified of at the same time yeah and you're you gotta always second guess what he said like well is that good or is it bad oh no Uh it's come almost like a cookie monster where you don't know when everything's just going to go awry with this character uh-huh. or when he might save the day. So it's a great, he's a character that's almost like a great mechanism. Yeah. In a way. Actually, just as an aside thing, if you've never watched the Nibor episode of Teen Titans Go, um, so watch it. It's brilliant. They, they, they bizarro the Teen Titans. Oh, the Nibor okay. is Robin backwards. <laughs> <laughs> and they just play with it so well. I can't, I don't want to say anything more about it, but it. I found it really funny. Okay. I know some people are really precious about the way that they switched it to Teen Titans Go, but it's genuinely funny. That's all that matters. Just make it funny. When things yeah. are funny, you can't be upset. Right? No. You don't want to fight nobody. Just laugh about it. <laughs> all right? Humor heals all. Too right. Um, this was a good list. I'm happy that you didn't completely blow me out of the water with really, really <laughs> like unique ones, stuff that I have. Like, oh man, I have no idea what he's talking about. At least with the stuff I haven't read, I know where I can find them. Yeah, I, I, do, I think there's sometimes there's no point trying to be obscure for obscure sake. Um, <clears throat> but it's tricky because like it's really tempting to do that. Yeah, I wanted to find a really good issue of what if. That was what I kind of set myself. And I've never really warmed to what if stories. I've never really, there's not an issue of what if that makes me go, that was a really good, I think there is at least one in there somewhere. I couldn't think of it. And because I couldn't think of it, why should it make the list? If I've got to seek it out to that point, that's, you know, that was it hasn't my resonated rule with me enough. Then Yeah, those are the same rules. I said, I got to try to think of what comes to my mind. Because if yeah. I, when I do a deep, like, oh, yeah, that one, oh, yes, that's one, too. And you know what? Another one that, for the real geeks out there who are into uh, Thanos, the Thanos from Jim Starlin omnibus. Uh, I forget what the title is called. Is it the Infinity? I think Infinity Quest, not Infinity Quest. Maybe Infinity oh, Quest. God. Infinity Saga. The Infinity Saga Omnibus. Yeah. There's a lot of... Oh, no, I can't find you. There's a lot of multiverse, alternate universe play in that book. That is um, kind of clever for the character of Thanos if you're into the Jim Starlin sort of Marvel cosmic stuff. He, he yeah. uses it quite, quite well in a way that is out of continuity but 
because it's Jim Starlin, it's sort of the this is what's happening with Thanos. Excuse me. Yeah. Is, did you think of anything that was um, non-Marvel or DC that you wanted to put forward? You know Sorry. what was coming alive to my mind was other media. Like I would always think of alternate universe things from television shows or within a cartoon or I might know like Earth 2, uh, DC Earth 2 when when um, the, in, not the Injustice Gang, but the Crime Syndicate comes through like that's a good that's a really cool forever evil not the forever evil it was the one that grant morrison did during his jla run they made a movie out of it an animated movie as well i think it was uh, just called earth 2 i don't think i've got and it's that. and it's frank quietly again him and frank quietly yes no i haven't got to that point yet that's yeah good thinking yeah and that's a really cool i forgot that existed multiverse colliding um in your in your justice league run that you're reading from jeff johns right now that eventually gets to the um dark side war that has some cool features of multiverse colliding in it as well i mean it, it never ends all of these books eventually do something in that nature but there are ones but stuff that wasn't marvel in dc so yeah i was mentioning tv shows and um things like that like that but uh, it's paper girls paper girls comes to mind so i thought that but then it's technically it's not an alternate universe because it is the same timeline yeah i guess you're right um the only one i could think of or should i, should I see if you can think of one no no go for I'm it chip in, was invincible they play with it in invincible really yes. well yes near the end yeah that's right. I was thinking that too, but I couldn't remember if that was just a time travel hop or if it was um, a multiverse. Does it happen? I'm sure it must. It must happen in Deadpool and Cable. Because they do a lot of time hopping and all kinds of shenanigans like they, that in their book. Yeah, they do. They would, I can't. But it's been so long since I've read it. Cause it's like quite yeah 2005 ish they did uh, they did a story where deadpool has to find cable because he dies but he comes back as a baby and he has to jump through realities to find him but i can't remember it that clearly at this point you know what you know what is a good one i think a um for those who do like alternate universes and multiverse dimensional kind of black science Black science is full of that. Not a fan. <laughs> I need to read it. Oh, you haven't read it? I, okay. I, I read book one as, as a trade paperback and then went, nope, I'm going to get the hardcovers and then didn't and then blah, blah, blah. And I got them. I only actually managed to get them last year. I just haven't got around to it yet. I got to reread the series again. I don't know how many trades there are. I think I got up to eight and, I, and I'm maybe one away from finishing the series. Yeah, I think it might be nine. Yeah, something like that. So I, I want to reread it from beginning to end. Because while, while they were coming out and a new uh, trade was released, I'd read it right away. And then uh. I just got behind on it. So I started trying to play catch up. And I'm like, oh, how long is this going for now? I hope it. I hope they wrap something up because you. that's kind of what makes it strong. 
is that yeah. this will end. That's why I'm here. I'm waiting to see the end of the series. I'm going to read that now. There's, dude, there's so much stuff I'm trying to put up to the front, the top of my list. Oh, I do want to read Black Science again. Yeah, Black Science is a good and one. And Injustice. For, for, yeah. Injustice is fun, man. It, I, I feel that once you start, it's going to be just like a, a ride. Like you won't be able to get off of it. Yeah. Yeah. Give it a shot. Give it a shot. I'm going to. Okay. I'll do it. Let me know when you start. Maybe we can we could read it in tandem. And, okay. and be able to go probably, back. You'll probably read faster than me, though. Uh, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. It all depends. We'll, well, we'll do it, though. I'll, I'll let you know. This was good. I got a couple books to read, a couple books to buy, which is always a problem I, I need to add to my list. But uh, thank you, good sir. It's thank always you. a blast. Thank you for making me want to buy back All-Star Superman. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, my first my first guest of the year for 2022. And it was a, a nice break and distraction from the mundane that life has become of going to work and coming home, going to work and coming home. I don't know about you if things are more back to normal because the whole world is like, look, UK is opened up and there's no more mandates. Oh, don't get me started. Yeah. Over here, they're they're doing convoys and all kinds of stuff to get back to normal. But yeah. I don't know. 2022 is hopefully uh, there's, there's light at the end of the tunnel, at the end of winter. Thank you, Mr. Molyneux. Always a blast. Thank you. Thanks for having me on your first guest of the year. That's pretty cool. Yeah. We're going to have a lot That's more cool. to come this, this year, folks. We're going to have a lot more top five lists, recommended reading stuff for new readers, um, stories for another day, episodes that we do together. Stay tuned. So we're going to have fun. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Rate and review the show. We will be back soon.